0: Good morning, Antioch. As I've mentioned before, I grew up in a home with three older sisters. That means that I didn't have one mom, I had four. I always had longed to have a brother. And when I was 11 years old, a man named Larry Powers started dating my oldest sister, Colleen. Larry became the brother that I never had. Larry reached out to me, and we would enjoy times of playing all kinds of sports together We had a family tradition every Sunday that people would come over for dinner after church, and Larry was a part of that tradition. And my sister and I had this tension point every Sunday because although she was dating Larry, in my understanding, on Sundays, he belonged to me. He would come over, and we would hang out together, and we would be together. She could have him the rest of the week, but on Sundays, he was there to be with me. Larry and I developed a great and close friendship over the years, and uh, he's not only been the brother that I've never had, but he's also been a mentor and an influencer in my life and has impacted me in so many ways. He's one of my favorite Bible college professors when he was a professor at Life Pacific College, as well currently is the director of Calvary Chapel's Bible College through Golden Springs. He is an amazing teacher and leader and mentor. He has a profound love for the scriptures. And this morning you have the privilege of hearing him speak uh, from God's word today. And I know that you're going to be challenged, you're going to be encouraged, uh, you're going to be inspired by what he has to say. And so I'm going to ask you if you would join with me in, in welcoming Larry Powers as he comes and speaks to us at Antioch this morning.
1: Thank you so much. Good morning, Antioch Church. It is such an incredible blessing for uh, us to be here with you today. Uh, this is our first time visiting uh, since the building was finished, and we pray for you guys every single Sunday. Uh, part of the reason why is, you understand, we're part of the family. And how many think Pastor John and Kim are the best pastors on the planet? Uh, so amazing it has been uh, an incredible uh, joy and blessing to watch uh, John grow up uh, to have him sit in my Bible college class and then fall in love with this beautiful woman named Kim uh, to watch them get married have two incredible kids to see the journey of ministry that God has taken them on and uh, to see what the Lord has done here at Antioch Church. It's quite amazing. The last time that we were in this building, it was just a shell, you know, it was just a dream. So to see the dream come true is pretty incredible. How many think this is a cool church to go to, huh? It's just pretty awesome. So we're so grateful to be uh, with you all today and hoping and praying the Lord will bring us back uh, often. How many brought a Bible with you today? If you have a Bible, please open to 2nd Chronicles chapter 20. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20. As I was praying about what the Lord would have me to share with all of you today, he so strongly put on my heart to have a study one of the most incredible, one of the most amazing stories in all of the Bible, and it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 22. And the title of the message today is Fear Not, God is with you. As we come to study God's Word today, let's bow in prayer. And as we Come to pray. Will you do me a a favor? Would you just take your Bible and hold it out in front of you? Just hold it up in front of you as we come to pray. Let's pray, can we? God, we thank you so much for this book. It is the book of all books. It is the word of the living God. It is the very breath of God. It is the greatest book in all of history. It is the greatest book in the world. Lord, in all that is happening around us in our country, in light of all that is happening among the nations, we come today to open the word of the living God and to hear from heaven. And Lord, we pray that as we study together that we would hear your voice speaking to us loudly and clearly to each and every one of us. Bless our study today, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The story is told of a little boy named Bobby. He was about six years old, and he was growing up in church, and the children's ministry department at the church where he went decided they were going to do a play. They were going to do a drama on famous stories in the Bible. And little Bobby's first grade class was chosen to do the scene of Jesus walking out on the stormy Sea of Galilee to the disciples who are all afraid in the boat. And Jesus, as you remember, says to them, it is I, be not afraid. Well, little Bobby, he was chosen to have the honor of playing the part of Jesus. And so he began to practice his one and only one line as He was having breakfast, it is I, be not afraid. As he was riding the bus to school, it is I, be not afraid. As he was playing at recess on the playground, it is I, be not afraid. As he was having lunch in the cafeteria, it is I, be not afraid. As he was having dinner at home, it is I, be not afraid. Right before he went to sleep at night, it is I, be not afraid. For several weeks, he's practicing his one and only one line. Well, then comes the night of the big production and... Different classes did different scenes throughout the Bible. And then it came turn for Bobby's class to do their scene. And all of Bobby's friends, they're in this cardboard boat out in the middle of the stage. And there's black light, you know, and dry ice. And they're weaving back and forth like they're in the middle of the storm. And Bobby comes walking out in a white robe to give his one and only one line. Only when he sees how many people there are there... He's never seen so many people in all of his life, and he just freezes with fear. Well, his mom, she's sitting down on the front row and she's mouthing quietly, it is I be not afraid, it is I be not afraid. But Johnny's still so afraid, Bobby's still so afraid, he can't even say a word. And and off to the side, Bobby's teacher, you know, she's she's whispering to it is I be not afraid, it is I be not afraid. But Bobby, man, he's still so freaked out. He can't say a word. Finally, he musters up enough courage, and he blurts out, it's only me, and I'm scared to death. (laughs) I love that story. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life that I have felt like that little boy. Before us in the Word of God today is the story of a man who felt very much like that little boy. It was 750 years before the time of Christ. The place was Jerusalem, and the man's name we want to talk about today was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah, and that meant that his great great-grandfather, was the famous King Solomon. If you're a student of the Bible, that name should ring a bell because Solomon built the most beautiful, the most important building in all of the Old Testament. He built the temple to the Lord that was in Jerusalem. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a godly king, and because of that, Everything was going so well in his personal life. Everything was going so well in the kingdom. But then in one day, all of that changed. I don't know if you have discovered in your life the difference that one day can make. One day it can seem like you were on the top of the world, and the next day it can seem like everything is against you. One day it can seem like the best day of your life, and then the next day it can seem like the worst day of your life. One day, you can feel so happy, and so blessed, and so safe, and so secure, and then just one day later, you can feel so lonely, so overwhelmed, and so afraid, Dear ones, if you've ever felt like that, maybe you're here today and you feel like that, please know that you're in good company because many of God's people have felt that way and Jehoshaphat felt that way. His is a story we often need to be reminded of because Jehoshaphat's story is a story that shows us what to do when you're in trouble. His is a story that shows us what to do when your world falls apart. His is a story that shows us what to do when it seems like everything is against you. Mm -hmm. Now, as you study the story of Josaphat over and over and over again, you discover that there are four things that happen as the story unfolds. And If you happen to have a piece of paper and a pen, I would highly encourage you to jot these four things down because they will help you remember the story in the future and they will help you to share what you have learned today with other people. Four things that happen as the story of Jehoshaphat unfolds. We're going to see, number one, Jehoshaphat's problem. Number two, Jehoshaphat's prayer. Number three, Jehoshaphat's promise. And number four, Jehoshaphat's plan. A first thing we see as the story unfolds before us is Jehoshaphat's problem. That's what we see in verse one and two. Look there at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse one and two. There the Bible says, And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon, And others with them, besides the Ammonites, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. They were in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi, just 30 miles away. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. What was Jehoshaphat's problem? that enemies had risen up against him. Now, it is one thing if one enemy rises up against you. It is another thing if two enemies rise up against you. But here we see that three enemies have risen up against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat literally was surrounded by enemies, and humanly speaking, Jehoshaphat found himself in an impossible situation, and I don't know if you've discovered in your life, but Jehoshaphat's problem is often your problem, and my problem Because there are often enemies that rise up against you and me. Enemies that rise up against the people of God. I'm not talking about enemies that have swords and spears. But there are other enemies. There are financial enemies that will rise up against us. There are health enemies that will rise up against us. There are legal enemies that will rise up against us. There are relational enemies that rise up against us. Jehoshaphat's problem is often your problem and my problem. And I'm sure that what must have made things even worse for Jehoshaphat is that he was a good king. He was a godly king. Now, I don't know about you, but in my mind, you know, I get it when bad things happen to bad people. In my mind, I think, well, they deserve it. But bad things happening to good people, bad things happening to God's people. I'm sure there must have been moments Jehoshaphat said, why, Lord, I'm serving you. I love you, Lord. I'm doing everything right. Why would you allow enemies to rise up against me? Why does God allow enemies to rise up against his people? I'll tell you why. Because he wants you to learn to depend on him and only him. Why would God allow enemies to rise up against you and me? Listen, so you will see what God can do when you depend on him and only him. The story is told of a, Father, he was a Christian man, he was a farmer, and this father, he was really, really concerned about his teenage son because his teenage son was increasingly stubborn and rebellious and hard-headed. He acted like he didn't need anyone's help. And the father was really concerned about his son, not only because of the situation it would cause him the problems in life but he knew it would cause him problems in his relationship with God and so this father he was praying one day about what to do and he felt like the Lord gave him an idea and so one afternoon he said to his son hey would you like to take the horses and let's go for a ride in the wagon and his son said oh yeah that would be so awesome And so they pitched a team of horses on a wagon, and down the road they went, and they were down the road a little ways when all of a sudden the father said, hey, son, would you like to drive? Would you like to take the reins? (laughs) Well, this arrogant, proud, self-assured son said, of course, thinking that he knew how to drive. He could handle any situation. So his father handed him the reins the instant that the boy took the reins. Those horses could sense the insecurity of that teenager. And they shot off like a rocket. And down the road they went, down the road they're going. And the faster and faster they're going, the more and more panicked this teenage boy gets until finally, in his fear, he shouts out, Dad, you take the reins. And his father took the reins. And he slowed the horses down. And he said, son, I'm so concerned about you. I'm so concerned. You act like you don't need anyone's help. You act like you don't need God's help. But son, you need God's help. Every day you need God's help. Listen, why would the Lord allow enemies to rise up against you and me? So we will run to him and we will cry out to him. We say, Lord, I need your help. Well, this leads to the second thing we see in our story, and that is Jehoshaphat's prayer. Jehoshaphat's problem led to Jehoshaphat's prayer. Notice again in verse 1, and it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat, they said, a great multitude is coming up against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they're in Hazantamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. And so he said himself, To seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. What did Jehoshaphat do when he found himself in trouble? What did he do when everything turned against him? What did he do when his world fell apart? Listen, he began to seek the Lord, he began to call out to God. In prayer. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 50 and verse 15. God says there this He says, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Oh, I like that so much. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And Jehoshaphat, he began to pray. He began to call out to the Lord. And not only did he pray, he got everybody else he knew to pray. Oh, I like this so much. It says in verse 4, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. In the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. Before the new court. The house of the Lord? What was the house of the Lord for Jehoshaphat? It wasn't a beautiful church building like this. It was the temple. It was that beautiful building that his great-great-grandfather Solomon had built. And when his great-great-grandfather... Had dedicated that building as a part of his prayer. Here's what he said Oh God, if your people are ever surrounded by enemies, if your people are ever in trouble, and they come to your house, And they cry out to you, Lord, hear us and help us. Oh, God, answer their prayer and deliver them. And Jehoshaphat, he knew that. He knew where to find help. It was in the house of the Lord. Oh, dear ones, I'm so glad you're in the house of the Lord today. I'm so glad you've come together with God's people. Listen, I pray you didn't come here just to sing some some wonderful songs. I pray you didn't come here just to hang out with your friends. I pray you came here because you needed to hear a word from heaven. You needed to hear a word from the Lord. Listen, the answer for you and me is in the house of the Lord. It is not in the White House. It's in the Lord's house. Yeah. Yeah. Jehoshaphat, he made a beeline to the house of the Lord and he began to pray. And oh, what a prayer he prayed. In verse 6, he said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, stop there. <laughs> Notice this title of God. As you're studying the Bible, you discover there are many titles of God. He's called Elohim. He is called Yahweh or Jehovah. He is called El Elyon. He is called Jehovah Jireh. He is called Jehovah Rapha. He's called Adonai. There are many names of God. But Jehoshaphat doesn't begin with any of those names. He begins with this beautiful name, O God of our fathers. Why did he use that name? What was he saying in using that name? I'll tell you. He was saying, O Lord, when Abraham was in trouble and he cried out to you, you heard him and delivered him. O God, when Joseph was in prison and he cried out to you, you heard him and delivered him. O oh God, when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt and they cried out to you, you heard them, Lord, and you delivered them. O oh God, when Joshua was in trouble, faced by the enemies in the land, he cried out to you and you heard him and delivered him. O oh God when David was standing before Goliath and he cried out to you you heard him and delivered him oh God of our fathers in other words God who's always heard the cries of your people who's always answered the prayers of your people when they're in trouble oh I like this oh God of our fathers are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations and in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. In other words, O Lord God of our fathers, you are still on the throne. Oh, dear ones, I've come with a good word for you today, and here it is. The Lord is still on the throne. Regardless of what you see going on in this crazy world, regardless of what you see going on in our country, regardless of what might be happening in your own personal life, I'm here to tell you today that God is still on the throne. And Jehoshaphat began praying. He said, oh, you are the God of our fathers and you are still on the throne. And then in verse seven, oh, I like this. Are you not? Our God? You're not just the God of Abraham. You're not just the God of Isaac. You're not just the God of Jacob. You're not just the God of Moses or Joshua or Isaiah or Ezekiel or Peter or Paul. You are our God. Listen, I'm here to tell you Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did long ago, he still is doing today. He is the ever-present God. And Jehoshaphat, he began to cry out and say, Lord, you're our God. That God who's always delivered your people, you are our God. Oh, verse 7, are you not our God? who drove out all the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary, a temple, that building that his great-great-grandfather Solomon have built Have they not built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, and now he's going to quote his great-great-grandfather Solomon. He says here, saying, verse 9, If disaster comes upon us, sword or judgment or pestilence or famine... We will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear us and you will save us. He knew where to find help in the house of the Lord and in crying out to God. And then in verse 10, he names his enemies by name. He doesn't just say, you know, those enemies, those nameless enemies. He names them by name. He says, and now here." Are the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they have turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are. They're rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. And then verse 12. Oh, and then verse 12, one of the greatest verses. In all of the Bible, verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Stop right now. If you happen to have a pen, I would like you to underline two, two phrases that I just read to you. They may read differently in your Bible, but underline them. Underline this phrase, we have no power. And underline this phrase, nor do we know what to do. We have no power, and we don't know what to do. Ever been there? Maybe you were there today. We have no power. In other words, we have no ability. Ever get the bill in the mail, and you have no money in the bank? Lord, we have no power. Ever been in the doctor's office when he comes in and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do? Ever had the lawyer notify you and say, There's this suit and you have no ability to fight it. Ever have a spouse say to you, I don't love you anymore, I'm out of here and there's nothing you can do about it. Ever have a child wandering and wayward and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh Lord, we have no power. And second phrase, and we don't know what to do. Oh God, I don't know what to do. I've talked to this person. I've talked to that person. I did this and I did that. God, I even Googled it. (laughs) And I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. We have no power, and we don't know what to do. That's why I love the next phrase. It ought to be underlined in your Bible. There ought to be a star by it in your Bible. We have no power, and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are not on the circumstance. Our eyes are not on the situation. Our eyes are not on the enemy. Our eyes are not on other people to help us. Our eyes, Lord, are upon you. Why would the Lord allow enemies to rise up against you and me? So we will get our eyes off of other things and other people and on to the Lord. Oh, I like this verse 12. We have no power. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones and their wives and their children, they stood before Lord, they're all praying, 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 praying. Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. We're looking to you. We're looking to you. When I was a small boy growing up in church, we used to go to these little Bible classes while the adults were in the sanctuary worshiping. And I remember our little Sunday school teacher used to have us sing choruses before we had our Bible study. And there was one chorus we used to sing all the time After all these years, I still remember these words. God any rivers you think are uncrossable? God any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible, and he can do for you what no one else can do. Here they are, Crying out to God in prayer. Look at verse 13 again. Now, all Judah with their little ones and their wives and their children, they stood before the Lord. Do you see it? All of them are crowded in the temple, and they're all standing there. They're looking to heaven. Oh Lord, we need your help. Please, speak to us, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need a word from heaven. And God spoke to them from heaven. That's the third thing we see. Jehoshaphat's problem led to Jehoshaphat's prayer, which thirdly led to Jehoshaphat's problem. Notice. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said to all, uh, listen, all of you you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord. Now, as you're reading those words, you should have a question if you're a careful student of the Bible. And here's the question, who in the world is Jehaziel? (laughs) We never hear of him before this, and we never hear of him after this. You say, I've heard of Elijah, I've heard of the great Elisha, I've heard of Isaiah, I've heard of Jeremiah, I've heard of Daniel, I've heard of Zechariah, but who is Jehaziel? Just some ordinary person, just someone from the congregation who's hearing from God. We don't know who Jehaziel was, but we do know what his name means it means our eyes are on the Lord. I find it interesting that Jehoshaphat had just prayed, we have no power and we don't know what to do but our eyes are upon you and all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord comes on a man whose name means our eyes are upon you and he begins to give the word of the Lord. He says in verse 15, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude do not be afraid you know that phrase is found 54 times in the bible you know the phrase fear not is found 74 times in the bible you get the idea God doesn't want us to be afraid (laughs) do not be afraid nor be dismayed the word dismayed is an interesting word in the Hebrew it means to look at something and have inner anxiety because of what you see It's like Peter when he was walking on the Sea of Galilee. As long as his eyes were on Jesus, everything was fine. But then when he started looking at the waves, he got dismayed. (laughs) His heart began to fill with anxiety and worry and fear. And Jehaziel says, thus says the Lord, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. Oh, I like this. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Why? Because this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Underline that phrase in your Bible. If you have a pen, underline that phrase. The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Dear ones, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life. All I know is your pastor asked if I would come out and teach. And as I was praying about what I should share with you, he said, go out there to Simi Valley. Go out to Antioch Church and have them underlining their Bible, we have no power. Have them underlining their Bible, we don't know what to do. Have them put a star by the phrase, but our eyes are upon you. Have them underline. The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. I don't know what enemies might have risen up against you. They might be financial or health or relational or spiritual. All I know is God's word says that the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Oh, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Verse 15, tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by uh, against you by the ascent of Ziz and you will find that at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Notice again verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Circle that little phrase, stand still. Stand still. If you're a careful student of the Bible, you've seen that before. <laughs> Because when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt and they came down to the Red Sea, the Pharaoh changed his mind and all, he brought all of his armies against the children of Israel. And here they are stuck. You talk about being between a rock and a hard place, you talk about enemies rising up against you. But the Lord says to Moses, You, you just watch, stand still. You're wondering why I allowed them to come against you. It's because I'm going to show you who I am and what I can do. And now centuries later, the Lord says those same words to Jehoshaphat. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 17, notice who is what? With you. He's not in heaven ignoring you. He's not in heaven, too busy to see what's going on in your life. The Lord is right there with you, whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you realize it or not. Oh, I like this. You will not need, verse 17, to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Oh, Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. He repeats it again. For tomorrow you will go against them, for the Lord is with you. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Do you see it? Jehoshaphat was in trouble. He ran into the house of the Lord. He got everybody to go in there with him. And there they were standing before the Lord. Oh, Lord, we need to hear you. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid. Stand still and watch what I can do. And then in verse 18, Jehoshaphat, he just drops down to his knees and others start dropping down to their knees. I don't know what Jehoshaphat said. I imagine he must have got down and said something like, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I was so discouraged. I was so afraid. I didn't know what to do. I have no resource. I just needed to know you're there. I just needed to know that you're going to answer my prayer. I just needed a word from heaven to hang on to. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But then something amazing happened. Here they are all kneeling, worshiping the Lord. And verse 19 says, Then the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up, they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. It started with the leaders. All of a sudden, one of them got up, and then another, and another, and another. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank. What were they doing? Listen, they were standing up in faith. Lord, you said this, and we believe this. They were doing what the old-timers call standing on God's promises. See, this book is not just a history book. It's not just a devotional book. It's a promise book. Some three 1,000 promises in the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that God has given to us exceeding great and precious promises. And I hope as you're reading your Bible, you always got a pen in your hand and you're writing notes when you come across one of those promises. I know I do when when I'm afraid and I come across a passage like Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I write down, oh, thank you, Lord. I needed that. I needed that when I lack like provision and I don't know where it's coming from and I read in Philippians 4 and verse 19, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus I write down, that was for me God. <laughs> Thank you so much. When I need healing or someone I know needs healing and I read in Exodus 15 verse 26 where God says, I am the Lord who heals you. Thank you Lord, that's who you are. When everything around me is chaotic and in such Turmoil, and I read in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 be anxious for nothing but by everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passed, oh Lord, thank you. I needed that one so much. I needed that one, God. When God gives you a promise, you claim that promise, you stand on that promise. Listen, that's something we know for sure. For 22 years, I taught at Life Pacific College. I taught uh, not only your pastor and his wife, but so many people are here, John and Denise over here, are loving so much. Taught so many for 22 years. Then, for three years, I worked with Wayne Cordero up in Oregon at a school called New Hope Christian College. And I got a call one day from Pastor Royal Reese over at the Calvary Chapel in Diamond Bar saying, Would you come back to California and help us with our school? And we prayed, it felt like we should. We're only back a few weeks when an announcement came to all the staff over there, please gather in the boardroom for a very important meeting. And we went in there, we sat around this huge conference table and Pastor Rollries came in and he sat, sat down right next to me and he had tears in his eyes and he said, I just want all of you to know that my wife has stage four cancer in her liver and she's not expected to live. A few years back, his wife Sharon had... Um, cancer, breast cancer. The Lord brought her through all of that, but she had not been feeling well. She went to the doctors. They ran some tests. They found a spot on one side of her liver, a spot on the other side of her liver. They, they thought the cancer's metastasized from her breast down into her liver, gone all the way through. They say, you don't have long to live. You better spend time with your family and set your affairs in order. And I remember Pastor Raul telling us with tears in his eyes. And I just reached over and put my hand on his arm, my friend. And I said to him, it's going to be okay. Because we're going to pray. And God answers prayer. He hears the prayers of his people. And so we, we prayed. We began praying. But unbeknownst to us, his wife Sharon, she was at home at that moment. And she was praying too. And like Jehoshaphat, she was needing a word from heaven. She needed God to speak to her in She just reached over and grabbed her mother's Bible. Her mother was a wonderful missionary in South America. And she just reached over and grabbed her mother's Bible and and she just opened the Bible and it just happened to open to a passage in Isaiah 43 and her eyes fell on these words. Listen, thus says the Lord who created you, who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Amen. And we began to claim that promise. We began to pray day after day after day, week after week. For several months, we prayed. And as long as I live, I will never forget standing in the lobby of the church one evening. And Sharon L- literally came running up to my wife and I. And she said, you're not going to believe it. The doctor just called on my cell phone and said, we ran a test and we can't see cancer anywhere in your liver. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Standing on God's promises when the Lord gives you a promise. Like they did, they stood up. You stand up. Like an old hymn called Standing on the Promises, the hymn writer says, Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises. Of God. That's what they began to do. Well, there's a fourth and final thing that we see in our story, and that is Jehoshaphat's plan. And I must confess to you, this is the craziest plan any leader ever came up with. In verse 20 to 22, notice in verse 20 So they arose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will prosper. Under that line, that word believe twice. Believe God. Believe his prophets means believe his word. Don't believe what others are saying. Don't believe what you're seeing. Believe God. And believe God's word. Jehoshaphat faith was rising in his heart and he said to the people he said just believe the Lord believe in God and believe what God's word is telling you so verse 21 and when he had consulted with the people he appointed those who should go and sing to the Lord and those who should praise the beauty of holiness and name for God and as they went out before the army they were saying praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever that was his plan no swords no spears Just go out there, stand out there and say, thank you, Lord, you're such a good God. (laughs) Say, what was he doing? He trusted God. God said to him, the battle's not yours, it's mine. God said to him, stand still and you'll see what I can do. Don't you fight. It's not about what you can do. Stand still and watch what I can do. And Jehoshaphat, believe that. You know, sometimes we say we believe in God, but we don't really believe in God. Sometimes God will give a promise like this. He'll give a message like this and say, listen, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And then the first thing you do is run and try to find somebody else to help you. Or you run to the bank to help you. Or you run to someone else to help you. Instead of looking to the Lord to help you. But Jehoshaphat, he believed God. And he believed God's word. So he said, we're not going to do anything but trust the Lord. I'll tell you, listen, I'll tell you when it is the hardest to trust the Lord. When enemies come up against you. You want to fight against them? You want to retaliate? You want to do something? Instead of just resting in the Lord. Saying, God, I'm not going to... I'm not going to engage this. I'm just going to look to you and only you. Listen, it's amazing what can happen when you have faith in God. I'm so thankful that I was raised in a Christian home. I am so thankful for my godly mother. She went to heaven this last year. And my mama, when she was doing chores around the house, she would always sing these worship songs. And there was one she would sing. Almost every day she would sing Oh, I just, I love these words. She would sing these words. Faith in God can move a mighty mountain. Faith in God can calm a troubled sea. Faith in God can make the desert like a fountain. Faith in God will bring the victory. Jehoshaphat had faith. He really believed. Well, what happened? Verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Down in verse 27. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. Oh, happy day. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their Enemies. it's amazing what can happen when you believe God. It's amazing what can happen when you believe his word. Dear ones, as we gather t- together today, I don't know what's going on in your life. I just know the Lord worked it out for me to be here today. And he ordered your path to be here today and he put on my heart to have us study this passage of Scripture. I don't know what enemies might be rising against you. All I know is God said to me, go out there and have them underline we have no power. Have them underline we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Have them underline the battle's not yours. It's the Lord. Have them circle that little phrase. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Have them underline Believe the Lord. Have them underline. Believe his word. I don't know all that's going on in your life, but I've come with a good word today. And here it is. The Lord is still on the throne. Here it is. No weapon formed against God's people is ever going to prosper. Here it is. That if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is absolutely no one. in these days of fear, chaos, and worry, and anxiety. Hear God's word. Hear God's voice to you today from heaven. Fear not. Fear not. I am with you. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much, Lord, for all these precious people that you have brought here today. We thank you, Lord, for the sense of your spirit that we feel moving in this place right now. And as we just take a moment to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, to apply your word that you would be moving by your spirit in this place. You would be causing faith To arise in our hearts that you might do your work in us that you might be glorified in this place. As we're just waiting on the Lord in prayer I felt today that God just wanted us to end by having a time of prayer praying for any one of you who are here today that might be in trouble that might feel like they're enemies that have risen up against you, and I don't know what those enemies might be. They might be financial enemies or a health enemy in your own body. Maybe it's somebody that you know might be a relational enemy. Maybe there's a struggle in your marriage or maybe it's a problem with your kids. Maybe it's something on your job. Maybe you need guidance in your life. I don't know what it is but I want to pray for you. You know, the wonderful thing about this story we studied today is I like the part so much where they stood up. They stood up. I said, that's for me. I believe you, God. I believe you, Lord. And if you're here today and you you want prayer, you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up in faith. I'm going to ask you to do what God's people did 2,700 years ago in the house of the Lord. They stood and said, Lord, I need you so much. I need you. Help me, Lord. Help me, O God of our fathers. If that's you, listen, just stand to your feet all over this place right now. Whoever you might be, stand to your feet. You stand in faith. I don't know what the situation is, but the Lord knows. God, you see so many. All these precious people, Lord, you love them so much. I thank you that you are the never-leave and never-forsaking God. You're right there with these, your people. You know them by name. You know everything that's going on in their life. And I pray for them, Lord, that you would reach down your hand from heaven right now and you would meet them right at their point of need. Lord, for those who need finances, provide for them, Lord. You multiply the loaves and the fishes to feed thousands of people. Open the windows of heaven right now and pour out a financial blessing on your people, Lord, that will not only meet their need, but enable them to give to others. Lord, we pray for anybody who's standing right now and there are health issues in their own body. Maybe it's somebody they love. We thank you, Lord, that your arm is not short. You are the healing God. It isn't just what you do, it's who you are, it's your very name. And so, Lord, we pray for your healing touch to be upon your people. Lord, for those who are here today and it's a struggle in their marriage or their family, we thank you, Lord, that you are the wonderful counselor. You can take the most confusing situation and bring your peace for those who need guidance, help on their job, whatever it is, Lord. We just thank you so much that you are a good God and you meet the needs of your people. Lord, I thank you so much for Antioch Church. What an amazing place. We thank you for Pastor John and Kim. We love them so much. Just bring them back refreshed, renewed, eager for the next season of what you have ahead. God, we thank you for this amazing church. We know you've done great things, but we believe even greater things are yet to come. Amen. Amen. And so, Lord, we pray for the completion of that good thing that you've begun. We just love you. We thank you, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Can we give God an applause? Can we do that? He's God bless